This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. We, this is our middle of the week episode, second of three this week as we head up to week nine of the NFL season and the Texans back at home taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, still licking their wounds from the loss to the Carolina Panthers earlier this week on Sunday. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Sports Radio 610. Mornings, John McClain, the Hall of Famer, my good friend, joins me as always. He's our senior columnist at Sports Radio 610. Com. John, how are we doing today? Doing great, John. Thank you for asking. Yeah, uh, I'm doing good, too. Um, I saw a bunch of the power rankings came out. Looks like the Texans down a little bit in the eyes of the national media, kind of hovering. I look at four or five different power rankings, hovering anywhere from about 17 to 22, kind of in that range. Feels about right for them. But the interesting thing was in most of the polls, the power rankings, Carolina's still last. They got no equity with anybody on beating the Texans at home on a last-second field goal this past week. Texans' only team in the NFL has lost two games with no time left on the clock. So really? So respect from that, even though Carolina was the only winless team. Okay. Well, that's interesting. We know we got Tampa coming up this week, and we'll talk about that a little bit, and we'll preview it more hardcore in our episode later this week um, on Thursday. And we're going to do a mailbag today. we got a bunch of mailbag questions. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. John's got his general news and notes that we will get to. And, John, let me ask you this. I, I put up a poll uh, yesterday, and if you look at the Texans' three wins and their four losses, we may have discussed this if we on the, on the fallout from the Carolina loss. If we did, then um, we'll rehash it here. But the three wins the Texans have, the record of the three teams, if you take out the game against the Texans, against all their opponents, just the non-Texan games, the three teams they beat have a combined record of 14 and 6. The, the four teams they lost to have a combined record of 10 and 17. So they're, they're losing to a bunch of teams that are doing a lot of losing, and they're beating teams that have been doing quite a bit of winning. 
And I put the question to the people. I'll tell you what the results of the poll were in a second, but I want to get your take on it first. I voted you more, on it. You voted on it? Okay, well, so then you know the question was, are you more hopeful because of the quality of the three wins or are you more fearful because of the lack of quality of the four losses? I voted hopeful. Yeah, as did two-thirds of the people. And they should be. People should be hopeful. When you beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville like a drum and then you pound the Steelers – and New Orleans is four and four, and uh, you you beat them. You know, there's a lot to be hopeful about. Problem is, they're kind of playing like good teams do that play down to the competition, and that's a joke because they're not. I don't think they're they're, you know, they're a below average team right now. Your record, you are what your record says, right? And they're three and four, but man, it could be five and two so easily if the defense would did really one bad thing. And the game Sunday couldn't stop them on the last series, but they're so close to being a real good team. Yeah, I you know it's funny the whole "you are what your record is" thing. We, Seth and I got talking about that this morning on the show, and I, I believe in that over the course of a season. Like I still think it's too early to say you are what your record is. I John, I watched the Raiders play last night. That is a freaking terrible football team with a horrible quarterback. And they're poorly coached. They've got like three good players on the team. And they've won three games this year. You can't tell me that team I watched play last night is on the same level as the Texans right now. You know what I mean? Like I, I, so I, I still think I'm very optimistic. I, I obviously, if I were to, I don't think you can vote in your own poll. So I didn't, but I would have voted hopeful as well. I would have been part of the two thirds in there. Um, because the other thing is, I mean, the two losses are, they, those are probably games they should have won. I, you know, I think they're, they're definitely a better team than the Panthers. You know, if they played 10 times, I think the Texans would win six times at least um, if on a neutral field. Atlanta, I don't know what Atlanta is. They're four and four, and I watch them play. And I don't like every time I watch them play, I'm like, this team's not very good. But you look up and they're four and four. Um, but they lost both those games on a last second field goal. You know what I mean? Like it's not those, those were those were typical NFL losses, is what those were, where it's like three there's three or four plays that decide a game, and the Texans screwed up all three or four of those plays against both those teams. So um, I, they're three and four, and they probably deserve to be three and four. You know, their two losses to start the season were both blowout losses. So, um, but I'm I'm super optimistic moving forward. And I'm real optimistic about this weekend against the Bucs. They open as a two and a half point favorite, John. No, I don't think they're going to beat the Bucs and be four and four before the season. If you said to me, will you take four and four of the Texans? I'd have said, hell yeah. I would have said, what I would have said right there. It's a bubbly. It's not a beer, unfortunately. I got work to do today. But, yeah, I would have been happy with that, too. Um, the other bit of Texans housekeeping, John, um, the offensive line hit another pothole here with the injury to Jared Patterson. Um, I saw conflicting reports about what exactly the injury is, but I th this we know. D'Amico said he's going to be out for a while with this injury. And D'Amico, I think, used the word shuffle yesterday, that they're going to have to shuffle again along the offensive line. If you had a guess, what do you think the what do you think the five look like on Sunday against the uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Considering the move they made when Jared Patterson went down for the year, I'm guessing it's going to be Michael Dieter. He would be the fourth starting center going back to uh, Scott Quisenberry uh, early in camp, who started all but one game last season. Juice Scruggs is still on IR; he hadn't been practicing, so he's not coming back this week. The one that, I, that I'm curious about, with Titus Howard's not a guard. No. He's not playing well. He's not run blocking. He's making mistakes. Put him back at right tackle over George Fant. See if you can find a left guard. Maybe it's when Juice Scruggs comes back. He plays left guard. 
you know, uh, Josh Jones came in as playing three positions, mainly a right tackle. See if he could do it because right now they're hurting big time at center and left guard and not very good at right tackle. John, when you refer to the move they made, for those who don't know, did they bring Michael Dieter up full time from the practice squad? Is that the move they made? Uh, uh, no, I'm just saying he played during the, he came oh, in okay. got during you. the game and replaced Jared Patterson, I who had you. played well, who had started every game. And when uh, Juice Scruggs, we don't know what we're going to get from him because he hadn't played. Mm-hmm. But they traded up in the second round to get him, and they named him the starter when Quisenberry went down for the season with his knee injury. Then he went out, and he hasn't played. So since Dieter played center, and I think Dieter's played center guard and tackle with Miami, last year he didn't play anything. He just played special teams. So they're really struggling, but I think we just now kind of yawn when they suffer an injury in the offensive line because – they did beat Jacksonville and Pittsburgh handily, playing musical chairs up front. So they're 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 ter- they're not good at run blocking, but their pass protection has been better than any of us thought. What, John? What's the Juice Scruggs? Is this like the worst hamstring injury of all time? He he suffered it before the season started. We're we're in November now. Like I I get it. Hamstrings you want to be careful with them because they could re-aggravate them. But my God, it's not like the guy was doing it. A ton of running where you it's like you guys running wind sprints every day or something like that what the hell happened with this hamstring injury i know you don't know the answer it's a rhetorical question i'm what guessing you tore it off it? the bone to be out this long and when you tear it off the bone it's got to be reattached and they don't tell us when guys have surgery so oh, we'd have found that out don't you think if he, he, if he had surgery he could have had surgery and uh, just like Charlie Heck's a big mystery, I'm guessing we're not going to see him this season. And now Derek Stingley Jr. is out for multiple games again with a hamstring injury. They got uh, Charlie Heck was what his foot was it? Liz, I can't yeah, remember foot. if it was Liz Frank or what. But uh, they got some problems with these hamstrings. Yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. We would have known if he went in for surgery to get a hamstring reattached to the bone. Don't you think in this day and age, I don't keep up with it. I don't have to keep up with the operations anymore. So I'm not asking you to go find out. I'm saying we, we would have found out from somebody. I would think if the Texans second round pick had surgery to reattach a hamstring to the bone, I would think I, yeah, regardless, like this feels like a very strange soft tissue injury for him to have been out almost three months now is, is, is pretty crazy to me. Okay, so that's where we are. We'll do a deep dive on the Bucks and the Texans on Thursday. Just you know, uh, do the six pack where we get into certain storylines heading into the game. It's a Bucks team that's lost three in a row, so they're they're kind of wounded right now, um, and they're 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 not playing very good football. They are coming off a long week because they played on Thursday last week, so they got a few extra days to to rest and prep and get ready for the Houston Texans. We'll talk about that on Thursday. John, general news and notes. What do you got for us? Like, educate us. Give us some factoids, John. Well, no, you and I both think they're going to beat Tampa, and they better win this game because if they lose this game to go three and five, you may have to re- put your, your survey out again next yeah. week. But the Texans have committed only four turnovers. That's the fewest in the NFL. They are plus five. They were minus one in the game against Carolina. They can't force any, but they don't cough it up. And a lot of that, of course, is C.J. Stroud not throwing interceptions, but also – Everybody hold, not getting the ball knocked loose on fumbles. So they are plus five. That's tied for fourth. And they have the fewest turnovers. Tampa 
has committed only six turnovers. They're plus two. So the Bucks also have done a great job at protecting the football. Now, they're on their, uh, I said plus two, they're tied for second with six, six uh, giveaways. They're plus eight, number one in the NFL. So the Texans are plus five. The Bucks are plus eight. They always say turnovers make the difference. Well, these are two teams who haven't been turning over the ball. Texans did not get one against the Panthers, which was probably the second worst thing the defense did to not being able to stop Carolina's last drive. But odds are we're not going to see a lot of turnovers in this game. Well, they had a bad one against Carolina with the Beck fumble. Uh, they gave three, they handed three points to him on that Beck yep. fumble. That was terrible. That was awful. Um, you know what that tells me, John? If you got two teams that are that are significantly positive on the turnover margin, and yet they're both three and four, is it these are two teams that are not very good football teams? You know, if you're if you're plus, would you say the Texans are plus five, and the the Bucks are plus eight on yep. the season? So they forced, they committed six turnovers or plus eight, so they've generated fourteen turnovers. That's two per game. Um, that's pretty good. Uh, and yet both teams are three and four. That tells me that these are two teams that are still tr- struggling to get a good, talented football team on the field. If you're plus in turnovers and you're a sub 500, both side sub 500 records, something's got to give John, something's got to give. I can't tell you the last time I saw a team with a losing record leading the NFL in plus minus differential. Now another yeah. one, Kansas city really needs an outside receiver. Chiefs have struggled. That was evident in their loss to Denver and Denver, and I thought this was hilarious. When that game ended and the Broncos won, broke that, what, 14-year losing streak, 14 games, I can't remember. It was so long, it was preposterous. Immediately, we they start blaring over their loudspeakers, Taylor Swift, shake it off. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, John, I like, you know what? People in this, for whatever reason, in 2023, I credit Deion Sanders with this, maybe. People are getting much more open about getting contentious about things people say about them or willing to talk trash or troll and things like that, which is not always the nicest thing to do. I get it. But if it's harmless, like playing Taylor Swift, shake it off, that's fun. The WWE fan in me is enjoying this new era that we're living in where you got Davo Sweeney giving six-minute tirades to callers in East Bum freak South Carolina. You got Dave Doran, the NC State coach, going after Steve Smith, the former wide receiver, because he called NC State a basketball school. Ryan Day probably still sees Lou Holtz in his sleep every night after that Ohio State Notre Dame game a month ago. I like this new age we're living in, John. Good for you. That was at Denver. Denver did that. The PA, the the shake it off people. over the PA says. Good for you, Denver. Stadium. You know what? I'm acknowledging you. Good job, Denver. Uh, Denver. Entertain in stadium entertainment people. Nice. And the Broncos work. didn't say anything. I mean, the uh, Chiefs didn't say anything about it, like they were offended. I'll never forget the first game of the 1990 season. The Oilers opened at Atlanta. Atlanta first year under former Oilers coach Jerry Glanville, and he was one bitter sob. <laughs> Jack Pardee, gentleman Jack, was in his first season as the Oilers coach, 
Atlanta won the game. They were decked in all black. Glanville had got him put in. He was in his black-clad outfit on the sideline. And as soon as that game ended, blaring over the speakers was the song, Hit the Road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more. And, and boy, did the Oilers get angry. Party yeah. didn't, but the players blasted the Falcons. They blasted Glanville. But I thought it was clever, just like what the Broncos did. It's fun. Come on now. It's fun. Uh, the, where's, uh, Glanville? Where, where, where's Glanville on the list of characters that you covered in your time, John? Is he top five? I, he would be, he'd be number one. I've never number covered one. anybody like Jerry Glanville. <laughs> it was a story a day, usually yeah. controversial and neg or negative or both. Yeah. Um, it's obvious to anybody who watched that Chiefs-Broncos game, Chiefs are hurting for a receiver outside. Mm -hmm. They think that could keep them out of the Super Bowl again to defend their championship. Tyreek Hill would fit in really well there. Tyreek Hill's having a fabulous season playing with Tua Tagovailoa, mm -hmm. and he has 1,014 yards. The last – receiver to have that many yards through eight games had actually more than him 1,122 mm. compared to 1,114 62 years ago Charlie Hennigan from the Houston Oilers was the one that had 1,122 through eight games that was the last pro football championship season Houston has ever had mm. 1962 mm. Were you covering that team? I'm just joking. I was a backup. <laughs> I was a backup. <laughs> I, I was, uh, let's see, I'd have been 10, 9 or 10. Okay. I did watch the AFL on NBC, and I did watch the NFL on CBS. Okay. But you grew up was a Cowboy a, fan probably, right? I was. That was a great offense. George Blanda, Charlie Hennigan, Bill Groman at wide receiver, Billy Cannon at mm. tight end and fullback. And Charlie Tolar, the first player I ever referred heard referred to as a human bowling ball was their running back and they won their second consecutive championship. Mm -hmm. uh, let's go over to Philadelphia and one of the worst trades, depending on your point of view, ever been made or in what, if you're from the Titans, one of yeah. the best, if you're from the Eagles, AJ Brown, they yeah. gave up a one and I think a three yes. or four to get him. He had eight catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns and their come from behind victory over Washington. And he now, A.J. Brown, has at least 125 yards in six consecutive games. Charlie Hennigan hadn't done that. No. Tyreek Hill hadn't done it. Jerry Rice hadn't done it. Only A.J. Brown has been able to do that. Yeah, and some of the catches he makes, John. I mean, some of the hot, the, the one touchdown catch he had where he kind of caught it with one hand, he's spinning in the end zone. Like, he's he's got guys draped on him. He he was really good when he was on the Titans. Like this, this version of him they've unlocked this year, though. Holy cow! These these wide receiver trades are interesting. Like you you could argue that like Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown, who were both traded to their respective teams last year, and both good for their respective teams last year too. It's not it's nothing new, but they they're like the cheat code for both of their teams. Like I, I and I'm not going to say AJ Brown's more valuable than Jalen Hurts. Tyreek Hill might be more valuable than Tua Tungavailoa. I will say that. I, I mean, Tyreek Hill is a – when he was on the Chiefs, I would say this, John. Like, that guy might be the most valuable non-quarterback in football with the, just the, his ability – his just his pure speed, but just the ability that goes with it. There's a lot – there's been a lot of straight-line, fast-speed guys. 
Tyreek Hill ability to once he gets the ball in his hands, be like a like a souped up running back too, is is pretty remarkable. Um, so I, when I think of those wide receiver trades, I think of AJ Brown home run, Tyreek Hill home run, and then you got Devontae Adams who was a home run last year, but now he is just a he is a discontented, wanting to be traded. Uh, one catch for 11 yards last night, guy, right now. That Devontae Adams trade. He's still a really good player, but that is a bad football team, man. He was targeted seven times. He was wide open deep a couple times. Garoppolo couldn't hit him. But it's his own fault. He wanted yep. out of Green Bay. He didn't want to play you. with Aaron Rodgers anymore. Dude, I, John, the, the reaction last night when when Devontae Adams, because I know you've got you've probably got social media open during games, too, and you're looking at it and taking a peek at it, whatever. And when Devontae Adams threw his helmet down at the end of the game, on the sideline and I go on there and there's all these people, media members, fans, poor Devonte. Oh, free Devonte Adams. Oh, get him out of there. Oh, get him to a team where he'll be more fun to watch. Oh, poor Devonte. This, that guy was taking the biggest victory lap when he got out of green Bay last year to go play with his buddy, Derek Carr, which is, which sounds silly to say unto itself, just that he was that thrilled to go play with Derek Carr instead of Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I, I don't feel bad. Any of these guys that choose where they go, and then the worm turns once they get there. I don't feel bad for any of them. Don't sign it. Sign one-year deals everywhere if, if you're that distraught about it. You, you Like, it's the NFL. You got to know what you're getting into, you know? It's what, hey, what, the, what is it to say about the grass is not always greener. It's true, John. All right, I got one more. Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. had two more touchdowns, one catching, one receiving. He's now had 17 consecutive games with at least one touchdown, and that counts postseason. He can break the record when they come back from their bye week against the Jaguars. And he's tied right now, 17 regular season and postseason with a great Lenny Moore, Hall mm. of Fame running back for the Colts with Johnny Unitas and Raymond Berry and Big Daddy Lipscomb and Jim Parker, one of the all-time great dynasties. And uh, McCaffrey, I'm guessing they'll make sure he gets that record and uh, it's pretty amazing what he's been able to do since he got to the 49ers and stayed healthy. Yeah, I, uh, John, I'll be honest. That trade was made like a year ago, you know, theoretically a year ago today, like trade deadline yeah. day a year ago. And I, I thought the 49ers, or I'm sorry, I thought Carolina did really well in that trade. You know, I, I didn't think that was a great trade for the 49ers. What are you doing trading a second, a third, a fourth? I think there was another pick in there somewhere too for Christian for a running back, you know, who's been injured all the time. And that trade's been a home run, you know, like it's that that's been uh, one of many things that is causing angst to uh, Carolina fans, at least prior to beating the Texans on Sunday. So, yeah, Christian Christian McCaffrey's pretty remarkable. Where, how many years does he have left on his contract, John? Do you know, like that's he might play his way into a, a, a second big deal for a running back, which would be crazy. I think his eyes paid back in the league. It's like yeah. 16 and a half, something yeah. like that. But he's been able to stay healthy. Carolina got frustrated because he couldn't stay healthy, and uh, they couldn't wait to ship him out. I got one more about Will Levis's debut mm. in uh, Tennessee. Uh, they beat Atlanta, and he had four touchdown passes, no interceptions. Three of those went to DeAndre Hopkins, who averaged 32.5 yards a catch. I don't remember him doing that here. Levis's rating was 130. He's only got one way to go now. And it's the third time in history a quarterback has thrown four touchdown passes in his debut. The first time was the first game in uh, Vikings history, their franchise season in 1961, when they played for the first time. Fran Tarkenton threw four touchdown passes. 
And the last time was 2015 when the second overall pick in the draft, Marcus Mariota did it. And they thought, wow, we haven't just hit a home run. We've hit a grand slam. And so I'm guessing the people that realize that after what they saw from Levis are saying, well, let's pump the brakes a little bit. That was a good team for him to do this for, John, because the fan base will keep the appropriate restrictor plate on this performance. Like we've been, we were fooled eight years ago. We can't get fooled again by this Will Levis. My hope is, my hope is that that the Titans might have been on the cusp of swapping out Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins for some draft capital, but now Levis has duped them into kind of standing pat with the hand that they have, and maybe they even trade Tannehill today. Who knows? Because they're so uh, enthralled with with Levis. And then Levis just turns into a complete pumpkin and they suck for the rest of the year. And now well, they, they don't get anything for any of these guys. That's yeah. my hope. They weren't going to trade Henry and Hopkins once they realized they were going with Levis because the worst thing you could do for a rookie is take away the best yeah. runner and receiver. And they wanted to put some talent around it because they had to get, they still have to get, uh, they have to determine, is he going to be the quarterback? You can't determine that after one game. Or are they going to be in the running to get one of these quarterbacks coming out of college in the deepest draft since 1983? Draft a quarterback high for the third year in a row. I say high, but like in top three rounds, third year in a row. It's possible. Yeah, I, if, yeah of course. No, definitely is. Definitely is. All right, John, that was good. A little general news and notes from uh, the great John McClain. You ready to do some mailbag, John? We got a few questions here. Sure I am. Okay, let's do it. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. Start off with Joseph and Katie. If you guys could pick one simple change for the Texans to make offensively, what would it be? And I think he means like just tweaking. I, I'm going to take this as tweaking like, you know, either something stylistically or something personnel-wise. Or would, Obviously, if we could tweak something, we'd get them to run the ball better. But if we can be more specific maybe about how exactly we do that. Well, I don't. I know you change the scheme because the scheme's not working, and the problem. Let me know. No, the problem's not working because their offensive line's terrible at run blocking. When Damian Pierce had his 16-yard run, he had to break tackles in the backfield. Devin Singletary had a nine and a five in which he was hitting the backfield. They're not doing a good job blocking, and I think for the run, I think Titus Howard at left guard's a reason. Having rookie center. Is a reason Tunsil's great pass protector. He's not a great run blocker. They just can't block for the run. So I would, I would come in on my witch's broom with a magic wand and I would wave it, and all of a sudden those linemen would do a better job of run blocking. Okay. Well, the, the, the mine would be one that doesn't involve having to be some sort of magician or wizard or something like that. I, I would move Titus Howard back to right tackle. That would be my one thing. Who would play I, I, left guard? Uh, anybody but Titus Howard who has guard next to their name. Like, I'm being serious. He's awful, John. He's terrible at it. Put the Nick Broker kid in that you pulled off the waiver wire. He cannot be worse than Titus Howard. I'm serious. And I know George Fant has played well for George Fant. Like, he's not right. been – you know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's he's been Lane Johnson or something like that. So, you, you're paying Titus $18 million for a reason. Like, the, the, you're paying $18 million for a guy who can't pull out of left guard right now is is silly so maybe part of that with me is the fact that you're paying him so much um but get him back over to right tackle to do what you paid him to do and then i'm serious put in nick broker put in josh jones none of those guys are worth titus howard is worse than, than all those guys right now playing left guard that's a great idea make that move maybe they will yeah we'll we'll, we'll learn more I tampa's guess we'll learn good more. at r- r- stopping the run yeah it's the last thing they need to go against a defense that's really good at stopping the run yep 
Absolutely. All right, Chris in the ATL, frequent emailer to the show. And now this one, this this question may be obsolete by the time people are listening to this because it has to do with the trade deadline. But I, it's it also has to do with where we're at with the team. So let's do it. Does the Panther game motivate you guys more to make a trade or to stay where the, you're at with the Texans right now? Does the Did the game on Sunday, John, have any bearing for you on what the Texans should be doing today at the trade deadline? Well, I think they should have been doing something anyway, but the Panthers game had absolutely no bearing on what I think, and whether and it's to find a guard. I remember, uh, uh, what's the guard, Wyatt, Miles Wyatt, at, I can't remember his name, Wade uh, Wyatt. I can't, came from Buffalo. I forgot his name. They traded for him in season, and he has been great. He pounds people in the run. Oh, Buffalo. Find, You're saying Buffalo traded for him? No, no. Cleveland traded him with Buffalo. And I oh, forgot. Cleveland. You didn't say Cleveland. Okay. Cleveland, Cleveland traded yeah. with Buffalo. Gotcha. And okay. he made, and he was a he's a great Wyatt player. Teller. Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller, that's it. One of the best lines in the league. And find a guy. He doesn't have to be Wyatt Teller, who's great, but just find a left guard who's better than what they got. You give up a five or a six, but this team's got a chance to make the playoffs. And that's a, they still got to work on the offensive line because if the guy from Buffalo, and I'm all for doing what you suggested, give him a chance. But if they thought he could have played, been in there, so find somebody that can play from a, his contract's going to be up or he's 30 years old. I don't care. They got to improve up front against the run. Okay, one more trade deadline question, Troy and Cypress. If you could pick one veteran in a contract year to move for a mid to late round pick, who would it be? And I guess, John, just for reference sake, I, the, the ones that the, – the list, the pool of players that come to mind would be like Jerry Hughes, Dalton Schultz, Denzel Perryman, you know, guys either on one-year deals or the or contract years of multi-year deals, you know, that only have 10 games left with the Texans. Um, there's probably a few more that I'm missing out there. Uh, but but if you would be of mind to trade a veteran like that, it's, you know, you're not going to get – a first round pick for him, but you get some capital back. Do you have one in particular you would say? Well, I okay trade Jerry Hughes. He hadn't done squat. Dylan Horton, the fourth round picks, getting more playing time. You have your two starters in Grenard and uh, and Will Anderson Jr. So I would trade Jerry Hughes and give Horton more playing time. Yeah, I think Hughes is the one. Seth and I talked this out today. Like if you trade Dalton Schultz or even Denzel Perryman, because the linebacker position on this team is not very good. Uh, if you trade either of them, then that that to me, especially Dalton Schultz, because he's your starting tight end, that sends a message to the rest of the team, like well, we're not really all all in on this year. We're in on this year, but not all in. If hey, is they, someone's going to give us a fourth for Dalton Schultz, they'd rather get a fourth and weaken the offense than, than than try to play this thing through with Dalton Schultz. I agree with you. I think Hughes is at a level of player, and he's at a stage in his career too that you could justify. Hey, they're going to give us a pick, and he gets to go compete for a Super Bowl in his last year. Blah blah blah. I don't think that would send the same message if you were trading somebody who's more crucial or gets more snaps, that kind of thing. I'm with you on that. Um, uh, Matthew Kosecki, with C.J. Stroud as Texans quarterback, are you concerned that David Mulligetta hosts big-time sex parties for his clients? (laughs) Because he cites Deshaun Watson and his off-the-field stuff. Jalen Ramsey's diva quality. John, this Matthew went into about 10 paragraphs. We would still be here on Thursday reading this thing. If the I answer is no. No, Caesar right. Stroud of course seems to be one of the nicest guys we've ever covered. And uh, so I would Cites. not expect anything like that from him. No, I wouldn't either. Cites Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas, you know, he he had his 
proclivities off of the field from those stories that we heard. Yeah, I um, I think C.J. Stroud's fine, Matthew. Um, all right, let's go overseas here in London. Alex, Alex said, if you had to guess if every team in the league had the opportunity to draft either Young or Stroud, what percentage would have taken each guy on draft day and what percentage would take them today? In other words, gun to your heads, how many GMs would stand by their pre-draft evaluations and believe that Young is going to have the better career than C.J.? in the long run. I feel like it might not be as obvious as we Texan fans might think, and that quite a few would still take Bryce Young. Yeah, what's your sense, John? Obviously, it seemed like Bryce Young was at the top of more boards heading into the draft. It was felt like more of a no-brainer to take him. And then through six weeks into the season, people were like, boy, the Texans got this one right with C.J. Stroud. It's only one game on Sunday. That shouldn't drastically change everybody's opinion. But I think if anything changes it, probably it's what C.J. looked like for the first couple months of the season. Where do you think the league would be at on these guys right now? I think last year, based on everything I had read and people I respect going into the draft, it was about 80-20 who would have taken Young first and Stroud second. Now I think it would be like 70-30 for C.J. Stroud because wow. it's not people are worried, still worried about Young's size, yeah. his frailty, his thinness, not that he can't see. and uh, But uh, Stroud has checks every box. Yep. It's amazing how I many people are down on him after 140-yard no interception, one rushing touchdown game. But he is every—he's more than they thought he would be uh, all around. Yeah, CJ's been great. I, Sunday's game does zero to change my overall outlook on CJ Stroud. I'll tell you that. Um, but I was—I was Bryce Young before the draft. I'll admit that too. Like Me I, too. I, yeah. I, yeah. And I and I and I would be in the. I would be in the flipped category. I, I would be like, I was Bryce Young before the draft. Like if I could do it again right now, I would change my opinion and take CJ Stroud over Bryce Young. Course. Absolutely. Um, all right. This is from Joe Q. He's got a few of them here, John. These are good ones. John was quite outspoken ahead of the 2022 season that Easterby was a big problem. And then midseason, he was fired. Given John's stature and following, is it reasonable to believe that John catalyzed that decision or moved it from likely to inevitable? All right, he's got a follow-up to that, John. How much do you think you had to do with Jack Easterby getting fired? Absolutely zero. Because nice I wasn't the though. only one. Everybody in town was saying the same thing. And the McNairs came to their senses. It just took them a little longer. Yeah, yep, yep, they know it. Um, the follow-up is, is there a time in your career where you feel like you influenced the decision in an organization in a substantial way? I sure did. And one of them was I cost Oliver Luck a chance to be hired by the Oilers. I can't remember if it was going to be general manager, but it was a big high profile position. I found out about it. I wrote it, but Adams got mad that it got out and decided and went in another direction. I can't even remember what it was. And I've known Oliver since he was drafted in 1982 and we're friends and he didn't hold it against me at all. Mm -hmm. But very classy because he's a classy guy. Then, of course, later, that was when they were losing. Uh, I think he would never say this, but he's probably glad that uh, I got that story and ran with it. Yeah. Oliver's career seemed to work out okay in the yeah, end. It has he worked seemed out to do okay. all right. He seemed to do all right. I wonder yeah, if well, the you... 12 would have been as bad as it was if they had hired Oliver to be their commissioner. John, I think it wouldn't have been as bad as it was if they hired a broom with a bucket for a head to be the commissioner of the Pac-12. <laughs> um, so, so he didn't hold that against you because you're just doing your job, right? Like you're just right. you're just reporting what you what you found out, right? Right. Uh, 
So um, here's another one from Joe Q. The Friday six-pack came and went last week without mentioning a famous name. Actually, infamous would be more the thing. Josh McCown, he says. There is scant indication as yet that McCown is an above-average QB coach. What is John hearing about McCown, if anything? What, what are you hearing about McCown as a QB coach, I'll tell coach, you the John? same thing I heard back when the Texans were about to hire him. I called everybody I could who had worked with him whether they worked in a front office when he was coaching on the playing on the staff when he was playing or they covered him. Everybody loved him. Everybody. Everybody thought he was going to have a chance to be a great head coach in the NFL. There was just one problem, not then, that he should come in like he is in Carolina as a quarterback coach. That was all Jack Easterby driven. And, of course, McCown wanted to be a head coach. And you know, and I waited to Monday to tweet this because I forgot about it, Nobody in that organization took more satisfaction than Carolina winning than him because he was ready to be named, and they yanked the rug out from under him and promoted Lovey Smith. So he still could be a great, a great head coach someday. And uh, everybody can't be wrong. So I can't wait to watch his career. And I wish the Texans had brought him in as like a quarterback coach, not trying to bring him in as a head coach. Yeah. That would have been good. All right, um, John, we, uh, I've got one more question that I do want to get to you on the, on the uh, mailbag. But real quick, this just came down. Thanks to our producer, James, for hitting us in the chat with this. Chase Young was just traded uh, to the San Francisco 49ers for a conditional third-round pick. So the Niners, who've lost three in a row, and their defense has kind of lost a little bit of starch from last year when D'Amico Ryans was coordinating it. Um, still very good defense and very talented, just got more talented today with Chase Young. What are your thoughts on that? I think number one is like last year when they traded for McCaffrey. I'm like, okay, Chase Young's playing well, but he's been hurt a lot. His contract's up. Washington has dumped two guys in the last year of their contract, and I believe they can pick up the fifth-year option on Young, or has that already been? He was drafted in 2020, I believe. It's 2020. so, so, so the, so the decision on his fifth year, the decision on the fifth year would have had to have been made last spring. On no, so no, they that was a big deal. They, they didn't pick it up. Remember, Washington okay, didn't yeah, pick it up. That right. was a big deal. He's a so free they, agent. They got to be upset. Ron Rivera's got to know his history because they've just traded two of his best defensive players, both pass rushers, and they still got a lot of talent because they put so much emphasis on it. But I'm guessing if he stays healthy, it's going to work out really well for the 49ers. But there are problems that hadn't been their defense. The problem is Brock Purdy throwing interceptions, and they don't have the big play capability without Debo Samuel. A lot of teams are missing key players, but Purdy has mostly been terrible when it comes to turnovers. John, if you mentioned McCaffrey, like if if the parallel thing were to happen with Chase Young – if what we were saying last year, McCaffrey, oh, he's been hurt, and boy, that's a lot to give up for him, and he's expensive, and this and that. If we're saying the same thing about Chase Young right now, which we just did, and the same thing happens with Chase Young ha- happened with Christian McCaffrey, then the Niners just traded for Reggie Ooh. White, basically. <laughs> he is he is playing for money. He's yeah. playing for millions, like Jonathan Gennard. He's playing for millions of dollars with the Texans. A lot of players are. Montez Sweat traded to the Bears. He's pl- They're all playing for money. And when they're playing for money, guys that have been hurt have a tendency to stay healthy. Well, and, and I don't – depending on how active San Francisco is in free agency, I can't imagine them being super active. They've got so many expensive players on that team. I, I can't imagine they've got a ton of cap space. 
I would imagine the thought is with Chase Young, like, okay, well, if we don't re-sign him, we'll get a compensatory pick for him. You know, the, and if somebody signs him to a good deal, they'll get a third. You know, it'll be a year from now. It, you know, it'll be, you know, it'll be down the road, but but you'll you'll recoup. Essentially, just turns it into a rental for for Chase Young, where you get you get your money back a year or two later. Kind of like baseball, know? but I'm sure if he plays well, they'll find a way to keep him on the roster. Remember, oh, yeah, the big contract they gave Hargrave. Uh, to leave Philadelphia, they got him, they got Armstead, but oh. I guess they haven't been getting the rush from outside. Remember what D'Amico said? You've got to build the offensive and defensive lines first. Yeah, they got Nick Bosa on their team, John. <laughs> like, oh, I you forgot just, about Bosa. Bosa, Armstead, Young, and Hargrave. Wow. <laughs> defensive player of the year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Who hadn't done yeah. squat. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you got to go get Chase Young because, boy, Nick Bosa is not pulling his weight. All right, John, um, so that's that's big news. Glad we got to get in a reaction to that before we uh, before we hang it up here. Last one, and I normally I would say let's just let's just go, but this this one is one that I know um, I know you'll have a take on this. Uh, this is from Isaac, downtown Houston. Says, John, I know you're pro Amy Adams Strunk when it comes to any argument about how cool it is for the Titans to wear the Oiler uniforms. Where do you come out on the Titans in the NFL sending a cease and desist letter to U of H for the uniforms that they wore back on September the 2nd? First of all, I've never said I'm pro Amy Adams Strunk. I am pro uh, Columbia Blue uniforms. I like to see them worn. I like to see them worn here. They can't be. Legally, they can't be worn here. So if you're going to see them anywhere, it's going to be on the Titans. I think those uniforms look great. I interviewed Dan Pastorini, Warren Moon, Billy White Shoes Johnson, Bruce Matthews, Robert Brazil, they all love seeing the Titans wear their uniforms. And so if they like it, I like it. Anyway, I think as I said on Sports Radio 610, it's ridiculous that the NFL's doing this because they are sticklers for that. I told a story one time. I had an oiler jacket and some Love You Blue boots. I gave them to former safety Bo Eason to use in a play called uh, Run of the Litter because it was about being in the Oilers locker room through the whole play. And the Oilers had to call the league to see if they could do it. The league said no. I told Bo to do it anyway. He did. And I don't know if they ever got him on it or not. But uh, the NFL properties is a stickler about licensing and anybody trying to make a profit on their money. But those uniforms were not even accurate. The color was off. Rice has done it. High schools have done it. I think it's the NFL ought to have more important things to do than to pick on little old U of H. So do you think that the Titans don't have anything to do with this letter to the, to the, uh, to the university of Houston? Oh, I, they, they probably do. I have yeah. no idea. They yeah. wouldn't have anything to do with that. They just tell, they'd have one of their legal people call the league and say, are you aware of this? And then they would take it over. Okay. Okay, but the driving force behind it, you think, is the NFL, not absolutely the Titans. Yeah. Titan, okay. NFL wouldn't even let the Titans, wouldn't even let the Oilers, uh, wouldn't even allow the Oilers to let Bowie's and use Oilers stuff in a play. Hmm. Wow, that's wild. Um, all right, John. Well, that was a uh, that was a, a lively mailbag between uh, a little uniform talk and between a little uh, who who did you get fired or who did you influence back in the day talk and uh, and a trade coming down in the middle of the podcast. I, I, I'm going to need a cigarette after this. Yeah, I wish I could have taken smoke. credit for Jack Easterby, but I cannot. No, you should. Someday I'm going to give you credit for it, John. Someday, long a long time down the road, I'm going to tell my grandkids fables of how John McClain got Jack Easterby fired back in the day. I'll say, who was Jack Easterby, Grandpa? 
That's right. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then they'll say, who's John McClain? I said, he's that guy on that gigantic picture on my wall over there. A big portrait <laughs> on a horse. Right next to my bank of my 10 bank, my That's right. 10 TV screens on the bank that, that I remember only- way back when I had my first one with only three. That's right. That's Okay. My new wall with 10. And there's going to be the picture of you with a horse painted in a general's outfit, like Tony <laughs> Soprano in that picture on the Sopranos. And I'm gonna be, that's my, that's my, my old friend, General McLean. He, he won one time he got, he, he got the evil emperor Jack Easterby fired back in 2022. Uh, uh, John, what do you got going on on the website this week? I'm, uh, I have a column on the Texans, uh, losing that game about Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. And I have one that'll be posted on Tuesday in which Jonathan Grenard, and Malik Collins had the best end, comma, tackle combo game in franchise history against they the Panthers. Did. They did. Did they ever? What are you giving out for Halloween at your house tonight, John? Carol does all that. She uh, dresses up like a witch, and uh, she passes out all kinds of candy. And I tell her, just keep it away from me. Yeah, so I was going to really say. gets into Halloween. Yeah, yeah. You got to put some handcuffs or something on, John. I'm the same way. We're going out to Amy's parents' house to give out candy. I'm like, oh. I'll tell you an interesting story about Halloween one year when I was like in seventh grade. This girl told me that she's going to let me kiss her. So I had to meet her and I went trick-or-treating with my friends and to get to where I wanted to go up by our school so we could kiss. I don't even know if I'd ever kissed a girl. I started running through cards and jumping fences and I got bit by a dog and I kept going. And so I went, and I think she stood me up. I can't remember. But I got home, and my dad said, well, we got to see if that dog's got rabies. And I didn't remember where it was. And so we drove around looking at the neighborhoods, and I couldn't tell them. I was so excited about that first kiss. So I had to get rabies shots. That's why my friends I grew up with called me Mad Dog. (laughs) I knew they called you Mad Dog. I didn't know that was the story behind it. When I go home, I still see a few of them I grew up with. It'll be Mad Dog this, Mad Dog that. That's great. John, nobody okay, down so here ever calls me that except Clint Sterner because I told him the story one time. I just knew that they – well, that's probably how I knew that they, you got called Mad Dog because they, they, you were chopping it up with him on, on their show. I, John, that might be one of the biggest like swings in fortune that I've ever heard about. You know, you little seven year seventh grade John McClain running around, probably stiff as a board, running around, get, get, getting ready to get that first kiss, and yada yada yada. You wind up having to get twenty shots in the stomach because you might have rabies from some 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 wild animal. And the next year, I played middle linebacker for the Tennessee Texans, and they caught me, Mad Dog McClain, and yeah. teammates would start barking. Woo, 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 woo. It had nothing to do with how you played football. Uh, no. you, you actually couldn't escape a dog that you were no. trying to do the seventh grade equivalent of going to get laid, kiss somebody. <laughs> that is great. What were you dressed up as for Halloween? Do you remember when you're running uh, around the neighborhood? Uh, I guess Casanova. <laughs> well, no wonder. <laughs> oh my God. I don't remember that part. That's great. Uh, John, I enjoyed this as always. Thank you very much, Sean. All right, good stuff. John McClain, mailbag at gmail.com. If you want to send mailbag questions in for next week, we appreciate everybody who sends them in uh, each and every week. Even if you think even if you think John gets people fired, we, uh, we appreciate it. It's fun reading those questions. Um, James Jackson, our producer, 
doing a great job, not only getting this podcast out to all of you, but keeping us informed during the podcast as to breaking news like the Chase Young trade. So, James, we appreciate that. Click the subscribe button. You'll get the podcast automatically when it drops. You don't have to do anything. It'll come straight to whatever device you use to listen to your podcast. We appreciate that as well. For John McClain, for James Jackson, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you later this week. Preview that Bucks game in week nine. Have a great week. Happy Halloween, everybody.